Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. Calling to the rim. He went to the crossover. 30 points for Steph Curry. And they wanted to laugh about Curry's defense at one end if you're Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Well, who's laughing now? Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now. What up, though? What it be like? What it do? What's good, partner? This is J. Scott Smith, and you're listening to episode 10. 10. 10 of JSC Radio. That's a hell of a milestone to start off. Nice to have you here with me on this beautiful, warm Thursday from the palatial JSC Radio studios in Philadelphia. It's good to be back here. And as you heard, it's time for the NBA Finals. The last time I really was able to talk to y'all, I did the show on the concussions. That was episode eight. But prior to that, I did essentially an episode and a half on the NBA playoffs, and primarily the greatness of the Golden State Warriors. And now, obviously, in the six weeks that I went between episodes, again, that ain't happening again, I pretty much watched these playoffs go down. In the East, we see the Cleveland Cavaliers, who everyone kind of figured was going to win the East anyway, didn't think they were going to win it with the relative ease that they did. Because let's just cut to the chase. Because again, we're doing it quick now. Let's just cut to the chase. The Cavaliers basically ran unopposed through the Eastern Conference. They swept the Detroit Pistons in in four somewhat competitive games. The problem with that series was the Pistons were well in game one, had a lead late in game one, and blew it. Then they went out and got blowed up real good in game two. And after that, Pistons rookie Stanley Johnson decided he wanted to pop off at the mouth about how he was in LeBron James's head. Yes, he was in LeBron James's head. And, and that was an odd trend with those Pistons. I, I didn't get to talk about this at the time, so I'm getting it out of the way now. I know the Pistons are long gone and nobody gives a damn about them, but I wanted to get this out uh, off my chest. The Pistons got chesty and mouthy. It's one thing to get chesty and mouthy as an eighth seed with a number one if the series is 1-1 after two games. 
It's a whole different ball game. If you're getting mouthy, if you're some nobody rookie named Stanley Johnson and you're getting mouthy with LeBron James, like him or not, he's either, by some estimations, either the best player of the of this era or currently in the NBA, he's the second best player next to Steph Curry. Take your pick. But Stanley Johnson's a nobody. And for him to go up there and get all mouthy and chesty and saying, why is LeBron talking trash when we're up 16? The better question is, tough guy, what the hell are they doing up 16 in the first place? I have long said this, especially in the pros, to the victor goes the spoils. You can't say a damn thing. You can't talk no trash. You can't get chesty. You can't get loud. You can't get mouthy if you lose. You ain't got no swag down 0-2. You're down 0-2, you shut up. And it did bother me that, strangely enough, in Detroit, the city full of tough guy talk and tough swagger and everything else, the same city which still, still has a problem with, with Michael Jordan, the same city that still has issues with Brett Favre, oh, I still have issues with him, pumping his fists and jumping him down. In Detroit, all of a sudden, we're embracing Stanley Johnson getting mouthy with LeBron James despite getting his ass handed to him the first two games. People were really saying, this is streets, this is Detroit swagger. He's got that Detroit swagger. No, he doesn't. You want to know who had Detroit swagger? Isaiah Thomas had Detroit swagger. Chauncey Billups had it. Rip Hamilton had it. Joe Dumars had it and then lost it as the GM. Dennis Rodman had it. John Sally had it. Rashid Wallace was born with it. Ben Wallace had it. Corliss Williamson had it, for God's sake. Hell, Finnis Dembo had it for 15 minutes. You don't have swag when you ain't won a playoff game. Talking about the bad boys had swag. You want to know why the bad boys can get mouthy and chesty with people? Because they won two NBA titles and took down the two great dynasties of the 1980s in the NBA. That's how you got the swag. You don't get swag when you get swept, period. So the Cavs go out, they sweep the Pistons, send them on their way. They then go on to the second round and face Atlanta, who basically laid down and did the J-O-B for real. Like, they didn't even try. It was that one game where, I. it was just like there was this one game where the Cavaliers had to have hit 53-pointers in the first quarter. The Atlanta Hawks Just like I knew they were pathetic last year, that they were the worst, and I maintain this, they were the worst 60-win team in the history of the NBA. That was a 46-win team that somehow managed to win 60 games. They looked every bit like an eighth seed in the second round, getting swept, and being far less competitive, by the way, than the Pistons were. Pistons were an eighth seed, and they at least made Cleveland sweat in three of those games, or two of those games, depending on how you look at them. The Hawks went out there and fought their ass off in game four. The first three games, they might as well had not shown up. Then they get, and then the Cavaliers get to the conference finals and they get Toronto. I know this is going to sound odd because the series went six games. The Cavaliers actually lost twice. I've never seen a team look more overmatched in one series than the Toronto Raptors did. Even in one of the two games that they won, they looked overmatched. I've never heard of a team so outclassed and so overmatched yet somehow got that series to six games. But that's what the Cavs dealt with. We go to the West where, hell, I remember saying it on this show. I was looking forward to the Spurs and the Warriors. I'm thinking, why are we wasting our time here? Let's just fast forward to the Spurs and the Warriors in the conference finals. Well, as it turned out, 
got one half of that because the other half of it, the team that punched out the Spurs, the Oklahoma City Thunder decided that they damn near were going to crash everybody's party. First, they beat the Spurs. The the whole series really turned in game two of that series of San Antonio because the war I mean the Warriors the the Thunder got away well actually both teams got away with a lot of shenanigans but the Thunder's Dion Waiters literally got away with pushing off on Manu Ginobili on an inbound and, and it was just it, it all went to hell but to the Thunder's credit when they got San Antonio in a pickle they somehow won game five in San Antonio so they got two wins in San Antonio then went back home and just friggin eviscerated the Spurs made them look old, made them look washed up, made them look played out. That was a team that won 67 games, the same number of games that the Warriors won and ended up winning a world title last year. They won 67 games and got punched out in the second round. That's disgraceful. Then the Thunder get into the conference finals and legitimately snake a win in game one, totally stole it. Russell Westbrook, with the most obvious travel at the end of game one, referee standing right there, doesn't call it. Warriors win the second game, then go down to Oklahoma City and just get sandblasted in three and four. And all I heard was, it's over. It's over. It's done. They're finished. I always had a different outlook at this. Now, when a team gets down 3-1, and the Warriors were down 3-1, but the, the thing that I kept pointing toward, and ask anybody who knows me, hell, I said it on Twitter, follow me, by the way, at J. Scott Smith, is the thing about that 3-1 deficit, it, it, that 3-1 is different from, say, a 3-1 where you're down three games to one and you got to go to their place for game five. That's the 3-1 that the Houston Rockets were in in 1995 with the Phoenix Suns. That 3-1. You don't want to be in that 3-1. The 3-1 that the Warriors were in was similar to what the Pistons found themselves in in 2003 or what the Rockets found themselves in last year with the Clippers, where you get down three games to one, but that fifth game is at home. And I always have this simple theory about a team getting down 3-1, but they had home court to start the series. The only game they really have to win is game six. Simply put, 3-1 and you have home court, you're winning game five. For no other reason than you're not suffering the indignity of getting shoved out the door on your floor in a fifth game. And how often does that happen? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a pretty fair amount of the time, the team that's down 3-1 but has home court tends to either do very well and either win or fight their ass off in game five. The Warriors went out there, fought their ass off one game five. So it really set up last Saturday night game six, which I'd said over and over again, the Warriors needed only to win one game, and that was six. And I I flat out said it on Twitter, and I told anybody who'd listen, whichever team won game six was winning the series. For obvious reasons, if the Thunder won the game, the series is over. If the Warriors win, and depending on how they do so, they've likely already won game seven because now Oklahoma City will have lost back-to-back games when they were up 3-1, including a potential closeout game on their floor. Well, I could sit here and go into everything that Klay Thompson did in the crazy comeback, but but rather than sit here and belabor you with, with a monologue of highlights, what I'm about to give you is the fastest 11 three-pointers in the history of podcasting. Klay Thompson goes absolutely ape on the thunder. Thompson, yes, another three for Clay Thompson. Thompson wide open for three. Clay Thompson shooting them back into it. From beyond that three-point line, here is Thompson has been on fire and he hits again. 
Clay Thompson, his fifth three-pointer. Here is Thompson again. Clay Thompson has given the Warriors a one-point lead. Here's Thompson who just checked back in and knocked out a three. Thompson, a rainbow three. Clay Thompson with his eighth three-pointer. Keeping alive for the new possession. Thompson turning and shooting. What a shot by Clay Thompson. Here's the time to get set and knock it down. A long three for Thompson, and that is Iguodala. Thompson fires the three, yes! So you toss in 11, count them, 11 triples from Klay Thompson. He may be the other splash brother, but his ass wasn't Luigi that night. So you toss in those 11 three-pointers from Klay Thompson, plus the finishing kick from Steph Curry and Andre Iguodala, and suddenly, bingo, game seven. I knew that the Thunder were done, despite having leads at halftime in both games six and seven. I knew the Thunder were done at halftime on Saturday. Because the way that game went, and by the time they were heading to halftime, Klay Thompson was just getting loose, the body language that the Thunder show is so awful. You saw it on the bench in game seven. Go back, if you happen to watch game six, just watch how the Thunder walked off that floor. They had their heads down, they looked defeated. Because in games three and four, they were so used to going on one of these unconscionable runs, getting up 15, 20, 25, and the game being over. This time, they tried to go on one of those runs, got up about 15, 16, and the Warriors immediately fought back and got it back to single digits. And they didn't know what the hell to do, because they weren't used to getting counterpunched. And the Thunder thought they had knocked out the Warriors. But it turned out they tried to be the bully, but the bully got up and punched them in the face. And then it happened in game seven, Except this time, instead of it being Clay Thompson, oh, mind you, Clay got loose, but instead of it being Clay Thompson, instead of it being Luigi going off, this time it was Mario going off. Curry all the way, sends high off pass, and that will count. What a shot by Steph Curry. And there you have it. That particular shot sent the game into halftime with Oklahoma City still leading, but it was the same thing, that sour bitter body language that they showed it was terrible it was terrible they had that terrible body language the warriors come out in the second half and just go berserk with triples just going absolutely bonkers out there yes make that 12 for 22 with curry and thompson going nuts out here from behind the three-point line and as marv so eloquently put it at the end of the game the warriors do it by becoming only the 10th team out of 233 to win a best of seven series while trailing three games to one so that brings us to the nba finals Cleveland Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors. Pretty much what anybody who follows the NBA likely had nailed down is their NBA Finals matchup. Now, you got the revisionists who act who act as if they didn't think Golden State was that good. Golden State won 73 games. They're 73-9. If you don't think the Golden State Warriors are the real deal, that's your own personal problem. You have a defending world champ who's been disrespected for a majority of the last year, whose championship win... All they keep hearing over and over again is, well, you know, they wouldn't have won it if LeBron had 
Irving and Kevin Love, you know, ignoring the fact that the one game Irving played, the Warriors won. If they didn't have, if they had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, they wouldn't have won. And then you got the old geezer patrol around the NBA, which has spent the entire year taking one big heaping dump all over Steph Curry's accomplishments and all over this team's accomplishments, basically saying that they only won 73 games because the league got soft. It is interesting, though, that a lot of the same old geezers who were saying this about the Warriors also said this about the Bulls 20 years ago. The league soft, and this, and this. Bulls went out and won 72 games in a pretty damn competitive era of the NBA. Guess what? The Warriors did the same thing. They won 73, Spurs won 67, okay? It's not like they were out here just beating a bunch of J-Brones. It's just that they were so much better than everyone else. That tends to happen with great teams. So they win 73 games, but people are treating them as if they're a fluke. Like you fluke your way into a single digit in the loss column. And they're going up against... Cleveland, where even though LeBron James is still an incredible player, that awful record he has in the NBA Finals of two and four, and it really should be one and five if not for Ray Allen hitting the shot of a lifetime in 2013, they are sitting out here looking at LeBron James thinking, this might be it. Plus, there's the whole narrative of Cleveland, believe land. You know what? F Cleveland. I'm not saying that just for the Cavaliers' sake. I'm saying that just as on general principle. F Cleveland. Being from Detroit, that's just how it is. So, who do I see winning this series? Both of these teams come in with motivation. Each one has a massive chip on its shoulder for a multitude of reasons. Whether it's the Warriors, who have been heinously disrespected. Especially, they get down 3-1 and people basically just wrote them off. And then they come back and win the damn thing. The 10th team in the history of the NBA to come from 3-1 down. First one to do it in the conference final and friggin' 35 years and they go up against Cleveland who had about as easy a path to the damn NBA finals as you could get without going fo 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 but their thing is it don't mean a thing if you don't get the ring and you get to face the team that punched you out on your floor and won the world title last year Warriors won that series in six games and they did it pretty much on the backs of Curry Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green because last year Clay didn't really start to get loose until the fifth and sixth games of that series when they closed it out. Curry struggled the first half of that thing when the legend of Matthew Dellavedova took over and then all of a sudden Steph Curry went Super Saiyan in game five and that was it. We never heard from Matthew Dellavedova again. You add in Irving who played one game last year before he got hurt. So yes, I'm not going to sit here and just be a total dick and, and act as if Irving not being there didn't affect it. I still think the Warriors would have won that series in six games if Irving had played last year regardless. They get Kevin Love, and he's going to be the biggest kind of X factor in all this because he's going to be dealing a lot with Draymond Green. He's going to deal with a lot with, with Andre Iguodala. And plus, the way the Warriors' offense runs, as we saw with Steven Adams, and by the way, Steven Adams, that dude took two straight kicks to the nuts during that series. He took two kicks to the nuts but I think the biggest kick to the nuts is them blowing that 3-1 lead. And it didn't help that he got left out on an island with Steph Curry on multiple occasions just to get his face busted with another long three. And now Kevin Love is probably seeing that. He's been seeing that in his nightmares for the last week. And all it takes 
is one switch out and all of a sudden I'm standing there in front of the little baby-faced assassin or worse I get stuck in front of Clay Thompson who also doesn't have a conscience and on the other end of the spectrum J.R. Smith who he never met a three-pointer he didn't like so someone has to account for that Channing Frye who I forgot was even in the NBA has suddenly been rediscovered in these playoffs because he hits threes. Richard Jefferson, who I also forgot was still in the NBA, has been getting minutes left and right. And then there's LeBron, who still hasn't had that straight-up, lights-out, Super Saiyan game that he's known to have in the playoffs. Trust me, I've seen that movie. So all things laid out, ain't no way the Golden State Warriors won 73 games at 1.24 in a row. Come from 3-1 down in the conference finals. Steph Curry comes back from two injuries. Do you really think they're going to go out to Cleveland and lose to that team? Hell no. Warriors and six. Sorry, Bron. You're going to be two and five in the finals. And one more thing before we check out of here. After game five of the Western Conference Finals, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, who have taken to doing tag team press conferences throughout the playoffs, including one really humorous moment where they clown the hell out of the Dallas Mavericks during the first round of the playoffs. Were you aware of Mark Cuban's comments before the game when he said Kevin was the only superstar on this team, and and how, how do you react to that? Hold up. He's an idiot. Don't listen to this. He's an idiot. All right, that's what we got to say about that. You know, he's an idiot. Next question. Before the game, you were out... Waiting for the opening tip, Charlie Villanueva came out and sort of lingered behind you for a second. Did you know he was back there, and did he say anything, or what yeah, was going through said, your mind? he said a lot. He He's was an idiot, too. You know, but now he gets to go home and do whatever he needs to do, get ready for next year to sit down and watch more 80, 82 more games like he did this year. Might not even be in the league. They decided to do their little comedy shtick routine. Now, mind you, they just lost game five, and now they know they have to go back home for game six. But something in their body language told me they were taking Game 5 for granted because they knew they had Game 6 in their back pocket and they were feeling a little froggy and a little frisky. And they get asked, after the game, mind you, after they've lost, and after Steph Curry finally started to shake loose, what they thought of Curry's defense. And Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook get to laughing and giggling. They get to snickering and laughing and just trying to be goofballs. You're sitting here laughing at a guy who was the unanimous NBA MVP. He's the best shooter I've ever seen. This team just won 73 games. They just beat you in an elimination game to force a game six. And you have the nerve to laugh at this man. And then, then, game six and seven, when it mattered most, when you were up seven with four minutes left in game six, when you were in it late, albeit you were down, you're in it late in game seven. Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant came up hella small. But you got the nerve to laugh at Steph Curry? Really? As you heard at the top of this show, who's laughing now? And I hate to close this show like this. No, I don't. But especially Russell Westbrook, who laughed and sneered and, and tried to get chippy with Steph during this whole series and then came up short when it mattered most. Do I think you deserve more MVP votes? Sure. Do I think you're a hell of a player? Absolutely. You're one of the angriest men I've ever seen on a basketball court. But dude, to laugh at Steph Curry like that, to mock, essentially mock the man like that, and then come up small in the two biggest games of your life. There's only one word to describe you, and I'm gonna spell it out for you. S-A-W-F-T. Take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. 
and we are out of here. I'll see you next week with more JSC Radio. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Nice to meet. So good to see.